1025 It's time to talk football It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard Celtic are linked with more defensive options As they get set to welcome 2,000 fans to their friendly against Preston Rangers are back in action tomorrow as they take on Tranmere And League Cup group stage kicks off tonight with Hamilton taking on Edinburgh City And Dundee United facing Kelty Hearts I'm Andrew McLean, joining me in the studio tonight is Jim Duffy Yeah, domestic football getting back on track again tonight uh, Andrew and the rumour mill about who might be staying and who might be going from the big clubs in particular is in full swing. You know, a lot of talk about who Celtic might be bringing in and obviously a fair amount of rumour about maybe who might, Rangers might be losing. Obviously, continuing speculation about Alfredo Morelos and now today Glenn Kamara uh, seemingly attracting a lot of interest uh, from Premier League clubs. So, uh, you know, a lot of decisions to be made by these clubs. But look forward to the season starting uh, in the... Was it the Premier Cup? Is uh, the Premier Sports, Sports Cup, Cup is this season. Premier Sports Cup uh, starting tonight. Yeah, first couple of games of those tonight. Champions League qualifiers less than two weeks away. Signings happening, lots of talk, speculation. So whatever is on your mind, make sure to give us a call 0141 951 1025 or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. There was also a breaking story just before we came on air as well. Dumbarton have been forced to forfeit their uh, League Cup group game tomorrow against St Mirren. They had one positive COVID case. They've now got some close contacts to that case. They've also got player injuries as well. So not enough players to fulfil the fixture it happened to Ross County mm-hmm. as well they're unable to fulfil their fixture and we all hoped going into this season that this kind of thing would be behind us but yeah. it's certainly not No, you thought it would disappear but uh, th- that's not been the case and uh, obviously with the, the close contact uh, situation then clubs uh, you know, are more um, fragile when it comes to squads and a lot of them are still trying to put their squads together I had a similar situation with, when I was at Dumbarton last year I think we played the first couple of games with maybe only one sub and you were really just kind of keeping your fingers crossed that you had no injuries obviously this time around for Stevie Farrow and he'd be desperate to get going uh, in, in his new job and, and, and get the season kick started but uh, be a blow for him and Again, I'm not quite sure of the rules. I don't. I, I know the rules, but I, I don't agree with them to get a three nothing. I mean, COVID is something that's that can happen to any club, and I think clubs are getting punished for that, Andrew. So I feel that's a bit unfair, but nevertheless, that's the rules as it stands at the moment. Yeah, speaking to Jim Goodwin the other day, he mm. was saying that he actually feared for this season a bit, just mm. because last season, you know, players were at you know at risk of COVID, but bars and restaurants, things like that, were. Yeah. Largely closed yeah. throughout last season, whereas this season things are starting to open up. But you can still get contact traced. You yeah. can obviously still contract the virus. We yeah. we see the rising case numbers as mm-hmm. well at the moment. So it looks as if we could be in for a good bit of disruption. Yeah, and particularly of the age group that, that most footballers, uh, you know, are you know the the younger age group because many of them, very very few, probably have been double vaccinated. So there's a greater risk, as you see. There's more mixing. And amongst it, and, and listen, the clubs mitigate it. They they, they get tested. They're still getting tested players um, three times a week, I think minimum um, at this moment in time. So they're trying to do everything, but unfortunately, like any like anything now, it still seems to just um, sneak up in your blind side. And then, as I say, it's affecting clubs um, still. Uh, you know, um, to, to, you know, eighteen months after we thought uh, you know that would be the last of it, really. 01419511025 on the phones anything you want to talk about it's a Friday night you might have something on your mind make sure to give us a call or send us a tweet at Clyde SSB Dominic is a Rangers fan up first Dominic what's on your mind tonight? Hi Andrew how you doing how you doing Jim? Hi good Dominic all, all, the, be- all the best here 
Thank you. Um, no, Andrew, it was just, it was just um, a couple of points. One, my first one was, um, it was okay. I'm not really interested in Celtic, right? But I, it's just, it's interesting to see, uh, see what Jim thinks. Um, what does he think? Does see because Celtic are, are see well, even Pedro Cusinha was in at Rangers with the likes, and the, he was signing all these unknown players. Obviously, he was back. So obviously, Foster Coglu's getting back, right? Um, it was just to see, does, see because Celtic are getting like all these players and, and I, I know at the moment the recruitment's been quite big at the moment but I, I've got a funny feeling that Celtic will be going down the exact same route as Pedro Cusinha with all these foreigners that don't know the Scottish or the British game I mean Dominic's making that point You look yeah. at the first two signings Celtic have made this mm-hmm. summer Are both younger guys from Sheffield Wednesday yeah. Some of the guys they've been linked with as well Ben Davis mm-hmm. from Liverpool mm-hmm. He was at Preston mm-hmm. And Celtic missed out on him mm-hmm. In the January transfer window Went to Liverpool instead Quite a few of these targets that are being mentioned Do look like guys that have been previously linked with mm-hmm. Celtic They've been linked with Kevin Nisbet as well Guys mm-hmm. that, that do have experience in, in the British game mm-hmm. Yeah I mean I think that uh, it's always a difficult one When a new manager comes in because people think well they'll have a, a wider range of contacts you know a, a greater expanse of, of, of looking at players from all different uh, countries that may well be the case but I, I, I do think that um, Dominic that, that they'll largely stick to the, the you know not saying that necessarily have to come from the UK but players who are aware of um, you know the, the way the game is played here I think if you bring too many players in from a different culture from different backgrounds language you know style of football and then you put them on in one big melting pot I think it's a massive risk so I think you've got to try and eliminate as much of the risk as possible and to do that I think it'll be primarily players who know the British game so I yeah, a sprinkling of maybe unknown players will come in, but I, I, I personally think it will be by and large players that um, you know 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 the British game and know the Scottish game. Do you want to come back in, Dominic? Yes, please, uh, Andrew. Um, no, it was just um, just to back to Jim's point about yeah, some players might know the British game, but look at Pedro Cusinha, right? When he came into Rangers, mm-hmm. was signing Fabio Cardoso, failure. Uh, Bruno Alves, massive name, failure. Tenor, quite a lot of spent failure, but then you, you see Foster Coughlin looking to the likes of uh, the other side of the world, well, mainland Europe and players that he's worked with. Yeah, sorry, I, can't, I mean, I don't know if Dominic's uh, lost him there, but you know, I think, yeah, I mean, listen, at the moment it's all speculation. I mean, it's, a, it's media speculation. The media, of course, have no really got any great ideas. The media will be doing the same. They'll be talking to as many you know, agents and contacts and various people to see whether they've been in contact with Celtic. And sometimes players will mention it or agents will mention it. But it's, it's still speculation. The couple of players that they've, that they've, they've got on board, I think they've already been uh, pre, pre uh, determined that they were always coming to Celtic. So I don't think they, you could strictly say they were... Uh, Ange Postacoglu he may well have you know had the final say on whether he wanted him or not but I think they were already way down the road uh, of getting done so yeah listen I, I think there'll be a, there will be a, a mixed bag uh, of players from all over the all over the world really uh, and I don't think as long as they're good players I don't think too many Celtic fans will, will worry but that, it does take time to blend it does take time to put a, a squad together Dominic's a Rangers fan it took Steven Gerrard the best part of three years um, to get his team you know, the way he wanted to play it to, to instill his 
uh, mentality into the players and get a winning mentality. So, you know, I, I think you've got to give um, Ange Postacoglu a bit of time uh, and at least probably two, possibly three transfer windows. What's that like, Jim? I'm sure you'll have experienced it in your time many times in the summer where you're effectively against the clock and you've got a lot of positions to fill. Is it a really sort of stressful time? Is it having to kind of cast your net far and wide and just hope that a, a few of those deals come off? Yeah, of course, but even Celtic have a budget, you know, I mean, and without having the, the fans in last year, I think every every club's budget's probably a lot less than it may well have been. Um, you know, if it had been a normal season last season, but it hasn't been normal circumstances. So, so the, the, you know, the budget's probably you know significantly less than it, it may well have been. So you've got to, it's all got to fit in, you know. And, and you know, there's so many doors you knock in when they just get slammed in your face at the last minute. And a lot of times you think the deal was just about done, and then someone else comes in, and particularly down south when they can just blow you out of the water financially. So yeah, I mean, there's enough a lot of work, and he does need a lot of players. Um, to be signed in a lot of areas, um, you know, to strengthen. But listen, it's still a fantastic opportunity. I'm still, I'm sure that, uh, you know, there's a lot of managers uh, would love to be in his situation, um, you know, and, you know, as I said, although it's, it's the, the, the purse trains will be a, a little bit tighter, they're not as tight as, as many football clubs, put that way. Dominic, in terms of your club this season, what have you made of what Steven Gerrard has done so far in the transfer window and what you're hoping to see over the next few weeks? I think it, it's, the recruitment, Andrew, has been absolutely first class um, because the likes of we've done our business early. Do you know what I mean? It's been the, the last few seasons that Gerrard's come in um, with the likes of the guy that signed was it for Sheffield Wednesday or Sheffield United? One, one yeah, Lundstrom, John, John, John Lundstrom, yeah. Um, plus another guy that signed a free contact. Free contact yep. Um, I think we're still missing maybe maybe two players maybe a, maybe a centre mid and maybe another striker in case Morelos goes but no I think the recruitment's been absolutely top notch um, it was just one more quick one Andrew please if I may yep on you go uh, just to see what Jim what, what do you think this, what this, how many players do you think Celtic need and do you think they've got a, chan- a chance of next season of winning the league yeah, listen, they'll always have a chance, but I, I think at this moment in time, it's a relatively slim chance because they've got so much work ahead of them. Um, number of players, you know, that I mean, obviously you're, you're throwing a, a number out there, but I think I think there's got, depending on who stays, I mean, if the likes of Ayer still stays and Christie's still there and all that stuff, of course, um, slightly less, but uh, you know, you're going to need probably six, eight players, you know, I think top players to go and complement the squad. So that that is a lot in, in a very short period of time. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, you know Rangers doing their business, and that's what's happened. Well, Aberdeen have done their business earlier as well because it takes away a lot of the competition. If you wait until the the window opens, and I, I know in England just now they'll they'll be having a little bit of a breather because of the Euros. A lot of their players haven't uh, teams haven't even started back training yet, so the you know there there will be still opportunities to perhaps pick up one or two players before they start the ball rolling. But generally speaking, um, I think that you've got to try and do your business early, but. Celtic couldn't do that because they hadn't appointed a manager. They, you know, there's still the infrastructure still to still to sort out. Um, but I think in the future, that is definitely the way you've got to try and do it way in advance of the transfer window opening. Do you think there'll be a frustration 
so far for Ange Postacoglu because in his first media press conference he was asked about transfer targets mm-hmm. and you know when, when would you like to see your first player in the door and his answer was yesterday mm-hmm. it was it was immediate he wanted things done and we're now you know quite a bit down the line and we've seen Liam Shaw come in we've seen Osazi Origidi come in lots of names linked but still so many spaces mm-hmm. to fill yeah, and and he mentioned himself. I think when he had you know one of these press interviews that if players don't want to stay, then he's not going to you know you know lose sleep over it. Um, so I still get that to sort of there's still continuing speculation, particularly about Christopher Ayer. Um, you know that uh, bids are coming in now again. Whether that's factual or not, we're not sure. So again, yeah, I mean, listen, it is a, a very very tough task he's got, but you know he's got a, a Champions League qualifier coming up uh, within within days now. Um, so he's got to try and get at least a nucleus of a squad starting to build and give himself a, ch- a chance because I was mentioned before Mithyland's a tough opening tie that is not a gimme by any stretch of imagination so he has to get a strong enough team to go and try and win that tie and that might just buy him a week or two um, to bring in other players Well thank you to Dominic 01419511025 if you want to get involved Let's hear from Ange Postacoglu, shall we? He says the future of the likes of Christopher Ayer and Odson Edward is out of his hands. He also says only time will tell if he can get a squad he's happy with together for the start of Champions League qualifying. You know, all I can do is the ones that are here right now and, and training with us. I, I treat them as part of the family and then uh, if some leave, then, then they do. And, uh, you know, hopefully at the same time we're getting some new ones in. Chris is a, he's a, he's a first-class uh, professional and a, and a fantastic player and... Um, I'd like to keep them all. Uh, but again, those things are kind of out of my control. But you're confident that the squad will start to form in the shape you want it by the time you get towards those Champions League qualifiers? Yeah, that, that's time will tell that. I mean, all we can do is, like I said, work on a daily basis and, and make sure we're as prepared as we possibly can. Is that just a case of keeping his cards close to his chest, not giving too much away? Yeah, I think it's a bit like Wimbledon and he's just batting it straight back, you know, and, uh, you know, think saying to himself, because, I mean, what, what can he say? I mean, he can't come round and say, well, listen, I don't think the squad's good enough or, well, you know, we're way short because that would seem as if he's criticising the people above him for not getting the job done. He's just in the door. He's got to be very diplomatic and careful how he, how he um, you know, answers questions. And I think really that's what he's doing. He's just been, the, you know, the ultimate diplomat at this moment in time. But deep down, and as an experienced coach, he will know he has to get players in quickly because if he is going to implement his style, you know, he can't implement it with a lot of kids. You know, he's going to have to implement it with guys he knows he will have to trust um, to get uh, results once the season's up and running. 01419511025 on the phones. John is a Celtic fan up next. John, what are you thinking tonight? Hello. Hi, John. Hi. It's just I've made this point quite a few times, guys, about uh, Celtic of defenders and that. And Ryan, I think Ryan Portis seems to be a great signing, Jim. I mean, the guy's tried and tested now, and he's, he's caught a bit of the rashness now. That he, that it was, he used to have a wee bit of been rashing that. And I, I obviously love to see them going for Josh, Josh Doidge. And as I think I said to the, the producer our night I was talking to, why don't you just go for an eight million, take it or leave it to have for the Nisbet, Doidge, and... Uh, but you call it um, Ryan Portis. Portis. I think Portis. I think he's a great player, Jim. And it's obviously John Kennedy still there. John Kennedy knows what he can do. You know what I mean? John's there, and I think this guy be a great fit for Celtic. I mean, John's saying there, you know, an eight million deal for the three of those. Yeah. There's talk that Hibs want in excess of four million pounds for mm-hmm. Kevin Nisbet. They knocked back. I think it was a package worth about three point two million pounds from Birmingham in January. They've knocked back significant offers for Josh Doig as well. So I'm not sure the way that the Hibs are doing their business that 
8 million would get you those three players well I mean again it all depends on how it's structured and all these kind of things but uh, you know I, I don't think you'd be far away at that Andrew I have to be honest with you you know and, and I think you know clubs like Hibs you know they, I don't think financially they could they could you know be very difficult to turn that type of money down um, but again it's all down to opinion you know does Ange Postacoglu know enough about Kevin Nisbet Josh Doy Ryan Portney has, has he got enough information does he trust the people who would make that decision to to bring them in the style that he wants I think Portis I've mentioned uh, uh, before with Portis I think he still has a bit of learning to go but potentially if you get him for the right money I think you could develop into a top class I think he's a good centre back at the moment but I don't think he's top class at the moment I think he's got potential to be top class and I, I think I would say the same about the other two boys I think Kevin Nisbet has improved you know beyond all, all kind of levels of natural expectation over the last 18 months but he's still got to find another level to go and handle playing for Celtic and deal, deal with that on a, on a weekly basis. And the likelihood is he would probably be trying to take over from Odson Edward who followed Moussa Dembele. So he's, he's following, you know, top, top class strikers. Uh, Doig, I think, is, is definitely one I think would be a really good sign. And I think he's, he would suit Celtic style. He's terrific going forward. Um, great athleticism, good energy, great left foot in him. And again, yeah, more more to come. But I think in that position, he's got a little bit more leeway, if you want to call it that, in terms of how to how to learn the game. Whereas the other two, I think, I think you've got a shorter period of time to 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 get them to the level you'd expect. John, do you think that is the calibre of player that would get Celtic challenging for the league title next season? I, I know, maybe would you call it they're not the, the, the greatest, but I think that there's potential there. But, mm. but, the, but the way I'm looking at it is that. Uh, they're tried and tested in this league, you know what I mean? So, well, obviously, what they're doing now is just get the title back for Rangers, you know what I mean? And I know Kevin is that was his first real full season, and he's done well, so he can prove it. And to me, as Jim says, I know Portis is still a wee bit maybe to learn, but he's, to me, he's, he's come on leaps and, leaps and bounds in the last two years. He's caught a bit of the rashness out, you know what I mean? And I think Josh Doidge is, is like, but the way Celtic play football, you know what I mean? And the way this guy apparently is going to have his playing, I think it would be a great fit. But can I make another point, Jim? Yep. And I'm going to give you a wee boost here, Jim. I've tried to go on here before about this, about you. Celtic are looking for a, what do you call it, a, a chief scout and things like that. I think you'd be a great fit doing that job, mate. I've said that before on here. I didn't get my point across, Wendy. No. I mean, that's what we're looking for, something that you die for a player, buddy. Thanks, don't, don't, thanks don't very much. <laughs> thanks very much. Uh, you know, no, listen, uh, you know, if you've got, no, I don't mean me personally, but someone of my experience if you want to call it that or someone's been around the game then of course you would like to think you would you know a player you know the teams you know um, you know what's required but again as I say there's a new manager and it's a new uh, chief executive and they might be looking at a completely different direction but I do think it wouldn't do um, Celtic any harm to maybe bring in someone um, that, that knows a little bit about be, I don't mean me personally I didn't know that much about playing for Celtic but someone who's, who knows and understands what like it is to play for Celtic, to understand the demands, under the expectations, not just winning the style of football, the history of the club, all these sort of things. And I think that if you're bringing players in, you know they need to be able to handle that. Um, and and I think that that wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, but I'm sure there's a there's an awful lot of candidates out there who would be uh, chomping at a bit to get that opportunity. Well, thank you to John 01419511025. Give us a call, and we could be speaking to you next. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 0141 951 1025.
Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Jim Duffy here with me, Andrew McLean, in the second part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. If there's anything on your mind, 0141 951 1025, or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. A few wee sort of news topics coming through today, some about crowds and supporters that we've mm. uh, we've heard over the last few weeks Celtic announcing they'll be able to welcome 2,000 supporters to their friendly against Preston a week on Saturday that'll be Ange Postacoglu's first home game um, Aberdeen have submitted an application to their local authority to try and get 8,200 supporters for games leading up to and including their Dundee, uh, the game against Dundee United on the first day of the Premiership season I mean the, the League Cup group stage kicks mm. off Tonight we're obviously looking forward to the domestic games being back The The crowd numbers are, are, are low mm-hmm. at the moment and, and there's just a hope that we can start to, to ramp it up over the next few weeks Yeah, I mean it's a difficult one because um, you, know, <laughs> you know we're still at level 2 um, Right through um, you know, this, this, this part of the, the world So um, the rules are different than when we see Obviously you know, the, the Euros, particularly at Wembley, 60,000 The Wimbledon, you know, full houses and then we look up here, for instance, at, you know, uh, United, we're playing our first home game on Tuesday against Edinburgh City, and there's a maximum of 500, I think, allowed. And so it's a bit confusing, and you say Celtic, a, a stadium of 60,000 people get 2,000. And so, yeah, it is a little bit confusing, I think, because, we, we, you know, you look at, you know, some events, and they seem to be, um, you know, no problem getting uh, fans in, and, and in Scotland, we, we seem to be way behind it, but... I'm hopeful, hopeful, I've said this a number of times though Andrew, but I'm hopeful within the next month or so, by mid-August, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, we'll much healthier crowds back and I'm not saying it'll be 100% back to normal, but I think it'll be a lot, a lot healthier than uh, than it currently is at the moment. Yeah, I think there's a couple of key dates to look out for at the mm-hmm. moment. The first of those is July 19th mm-hmm. when the government are hoping to move into level zero. Mm-hmm. At that point, it should be sort of 2,000 fans are allowed mm-hmm. in and there's a chance that, you know, you can get special dispensation yeah, and, and more fans mm-hmm. can come in. And then on the 9th of August, if the figures are going in the right direction, mm-hmm. then there's a chance the level system will be abolished. Mm-hmm. And at that point... I mean, there's been talk that there could be full crowds in mm-hmm. by that point. It, it maybe seems a, a bit too far-fetched just given mm-hmm. the, the case numbers at the moment and the fact that it would be quite a jump going mm-hmm. from, from the crowd levels yeah. we're at at the moment and what it would be from the 19th of July to, to that point in August. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, again, I don't know if they'll do it in stages. I don't know if they'll say, well, you'll go 2,000 to 50%, to 75%, to 100%, and you know, we'll review it every, every few weeks. Or whether, as you say... They'll just go right. That's it. It's, you know, there's no restrictions, and um, you know, again, I know, I know the column test events in England, but you know, how sixty thousand can be a test event. I'll never know, you know, rather than eighty thousand or ninety thousand. So, um, listen, you know, we we just have to, you know, we're led by the government, we're led by the science. We keep hearing it every day, uh, and football's no different. We're still seeing cases, of, as you mentioned, too. Two teams already having to forfeit ties, uh, Ross County and uh, Dumbarton this weekend. So it's an ongoing situation. So we have to still make sure that public health's number one priority. But from a football, pers- uh, you know, situation and perspective, we really want to get fans back in as absolutely as safe and as soon as possible. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five on the phones. Chris is a Celtic fan in Penny Lee. Chris, what are you thinking tonight? Hi guys, how are you doing? Uh, I've got a point and a question. I'd like to put to Jim, please. Um, my point is uh, Obviously Peter Peter Walls uh, Now left his post uh, And Dominic Mackay Is obviously there mm-hmm. Now it seems to me that It's the same old story when it comes to Transfer deals We're getting linked to Tom Dick and Harry And 
it just doesn't seem the philosophy's no changed. We just can't seem to get a deal uh, done. What what is the problem uh, we getting players in the door? This has been on for a while now. Yeah, I, I think as you that there is obviously have been a couple of players signed. You know, I know, I, you know, I know they're not maybe not the, the the big name that the the fans are hoping for, but there has been a couple done. And not, I think whether they were waiting a new manager coming in because if they go and sign three or four players who the manager hasn't sanctioned, then effectively you're you're, you're appointing a head coach then as opposed to a manager. And as far as I'm led to believe, Ange Postecoglou is a manager, so he must have some sort of say in the players that come in. Um, so I'm guessing that's part of the delay, and it's not just down to finance. But I think that, as I, as I mentioned earlier on, I think that the, you know the the budget will be a bit tighter. Celtic ha- will have to be um, clever in the transfer market, and they are chasing you know you know behind uh, a, a lot of clubs who have already done their business, uh, and the market is getting tighter and tighter. You know, good players are becoming harder to source, and also harder to attract. Uh, I think. Take it, you know, 18 months ago when Celtic had won their quadruple treble, it's easier <laughs> to attract those type of players. Champions League is easier to attract them. It's a little bit harder just now. And I think there'll be a wee bit more hesitation from other players. Listen, there, there will be players come in. I'm sure there'll be uh, some, you know, uh, you know, undoubted talent will be signed by Celtic. But I don't think it's all down to the financial situation just now. I, th- I think there's a, there's a number of circumstances that are affecting um, the player recruitment at the moment As much as fans would love Players to just be in the door right now And I'm sure Ange Postacoglu would as well How tough do you think that transition is at, You know at a club like Celtic When you've got a new chief executive coming in A new manager coming in And you're trying to get You know basically Half a squad in the door mm. as well It's not going to all come together at once the, You know fans are going to be frustrated But can you be a bit sort of lenient towards them In, in well, that there's well, so much change happening You have to be patient I said before you, you, Players to come in you're still, you're still trying to get players You know who may well be leave you, You're also players you might want to leave as well So there's a whole host of circumstances You're going to have to assess your younger players If you get talented young players Can come and supplement your squad you know, there's so there's so many things that he's going to have to do in, a, in an unbelievably short period of time, in amongst trying to attract top players uh, to come to Celtic. So you know, the work ahead of him is enormous. Um, as I said, that's the reason why I think he's going to have to have you know at least more than than one or two transfer windows to try and get his team. But the first one I think is pivotal for him because it it, it allows if he gets it right the first one with two or three really good players. Uh, even if they're unheard of, but they but they're a success, then that gives them trust with the fans first and foremost. Which I think is absolutely vital. Trust with the board, which again is important. And then, as I said to you, once you've got those two things, then you know you've got a little bit more license to go. And then, well, I'm not saying take a punt, but there's a little bit more license that you could go and get someone with an unfamiliar background, because the fans will trust you. I think the most important is getting the fans on side, and to do that, his first couple of signings. I've got to be a success. Do you want to come back in, Chris? Uh, I was just wanting to ask Jim, obviously we haven't been a manager. Um, Jim, I'm making the assumption that when a new manager goes in, um, he'll wipe the slate clean and everybody starts with scratch. Or will he look at what, what's going on in the previous year or two and look at the history of players? There are guys like Barkas that were signed for quite a lot of money. Um, now, he's an absolute disaster, as we all know. Is is Will they wipe the slate clean and everybody right? It's it's a new day. 
and th- he'll see what he thinks of him. Yeah, I think in the majority of cases that'll be that that'll be what happens, Chris. I think most managers that go into a club will give opportunities to players that maybe found themselves at the, at the picture. It's up to them. They'll throw the gauntlet down and say, listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity. It's up to you to take it. But they might get a little bit less time than some of the more established players. The, the other thing is that you've got, you've got you know, uh, players, he might look at um, medical records, for instance. So if somebody's been continually injured, he might look and, and think, wait a minute, he's only played, they've been available for 10 games out of the last 50, 60 and he might think well, that's that's not something I, I can I can risk having around. I might need to move him out. So there are uh, times where he will, um, you know, ease people out the door. Should we say? But generally speaking, if a player has just been dropped by a previous manager or found himself out, out, out the wind, uh, out, out the, the the first team squad, then he will probably give him a chance. Listen, at this moment in time, I don't think he's got any other option. He doesn't have a, a huge pool of players that he can eliminate anyone at this moment in time. So I think every player who's currently signed with Celtic will get an opportunity to try and impress with the pre-season games down in Wales. I suppose we kind of saw that with Anthony Ralston getting a new deal, volleyball and gollies back in training. Guys that, you know, maybe didn't look as if they had a future at the club. And possibly do now It just depends on how they show up in training How they show up in these pre-season matches That potentially they could play their way into Ange Postacoglu's plans Yeah I mean the manager's One he's got to you know, know if they're good enough But he's also just got to ask them one question Do you want to be here? It's a straight yes or no Do you want to be part of my plans going forward? You know, part, part, part of, of this new regime Yes or no? Simple Yes I want to be there Well I want to see total commitment from you And I want to see it day in day out And then you'll get an opportunity if you don't give me a day in, day out, you're out the door. Chris, is there any players in particular that you think could, you know, that maybe haven't impressed in the past that, that could make an impact this season? I just think, Dermot McDesmond says a long time ago that this was always going to be a period of transition. And the fact that it's like coming down to the wire now with these qualifiers, why have we no... This should already have been thought about two years ago, three years ago. And it's just... It's getting, I think a lot of Celtic fans are just really frustrated. It just seems to be the same old story. We were hoping to start. I know what like you're saying, give patience and that, but Celtic fans have been patient for a long time. And we just want to see a decent team in the park. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think you're saying a long time, but I think uh, it's one season, really. I mean, the, the seasons previous to, to that have been very, very successful. Ridiculously successful, really, if you actually look at it, um, you know, in context, um, you know, to, to, to win as many trophies as they did on the bounce and, and as many titles. But when you have that uh, period where your bigger your biggest rivals won the title and uh, the gap is so huge and then there's all the, all the other elements as I said your chief executive leaves your manager leaves there's a big delay in the new manager there's umpteen players leaving loan players etc um, yeah I mean it, it kind of knocks your stuffing out and I think the fans have had the stuffing knocked out them a little bit but it's a new season you've got to start with a new de- degree of optimism you've got to get behind the new manager and uh, you know his, his plans for taking the club forward because you've got to give him a chance and you've got to get 100, 100% backing of the fans uh, if, they're, if they're unhappy with some of the things that happen in the board then fine, fine that's their, their opinion that's their choice to make but they must get behind the, the new manager and his plans um, for taking the club forward well thank you to Chris 01419511025 we'll stay with the phones Gavin is up next Gavin what's on your mind tonight hi guys how you doing hi Gavin good thanks Hi, um, no, I'm just phoning up in regards to the whole capacity carry on um, I know it was announced at Celtic of getting 2,000 to the friendly and Rangers are getting 2,000 to their first uh, to the opening game of the season kind of thing 
that they could have 12,000 fans at Hamden for the Euros. Mm. And I'm just one, you know, just to see what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. I mean, the, the crowds at, at Hamden for the Euros, it was a sort of special dispensation. It was an agreement between the government and UEFA that they would allow it as a sort of mm. test event. And we've seen these test events going on at Hamden. We saw one at Murrayfield as well, where you are allowed crowds sort of above what the, the regulation is at the moment. And they do these to sort of, you know, test things, prepare mm. us for the season ahead. The 2000 crowd at Celtic Park is actually one of these test events because at that point you're technically not meant to have 2000 fans in but you can you can see the frustration from supporters Jim that yeah. the, the figures for you know different games and different crowds do seem to be different yeah, there was there was there was more at the the fan zone, you know. What I mean, so uh, you know who could have a drink and celebrate and stuff like that. You know, I mean, uh, listen, it baffles me as well. Um, you know, again, you know, if there's special dispensation, you know, why why can't there not be dispensation for clubs who have huge stadia and uh, you know that you know a, not even a fraction of the capacity. It's just um, it, it com- completely con- uh, con- uh, confuses me. Um, I think you're hundred percent right. I think there should be more. Um, fans in, as I said, we see it, you know, all all, all over the country. We 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 have various events um, that more people are coming in. So the snooker away back in April, I think that was, you know, the, the and that was indoor. So listen, football's outdoor. You know, even if you if you if you have to have a lateral flow test, even if you have to prove, um, you know, you've had tests. If you wear a mask, whatever happens to be, there is definitely more scope to allow more people in, significantly more people in. But uh, listen, we're not the government, so it's the, ultimately it's the government that dictate this, and you know we just have to abide by the rules as as much as it, uh, you know we have to gnash our teeth and get frustrated by it. Gavin, yeah, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Um, as I say, obviously, I know test events. You can't have every event as a test event, but you know why not have twelve thousand at Parkhead and Ibrox and test that out? You know, there's still plenty of space. You know, it's a big enough stadium to do it, so. Mm-hmm. I just think there's, between the Euros and, you know, there's people coming from other countries, 12,000, but folk in our own country, and we're not allowed 2,000, I just think it's crazy. Yeah, I, th- I think, Gavin, you know, the 12,000 was at Hamden, as far as I'm, I'm led to believe, there was going to be some sort of, um, you know, l- you know, check on to see what, what, like, the cases were at it, and it was minimal at best. I mean, it was like an absolute fraction of anyone that was at that game. They were talking about people being in households and celebrating and all that kind of stuff, but actually at the game... You know, there, there was pretty much nothing. You know, there was no, you know, uh, no, no, no uh, real, uh, you know, outbreaks of any kind of thing. So, and that that to me proves it is a safe environment. And if you know, if it's a safe environment, then why, why, why are we waiting? Well, thank you to Gavin. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. Now is the perfect time to call because we could be speaking to you next. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Jim Duffy here with me, Andrew McLean, in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Oh one four one nine five one. 1025 if you've got something on your mind or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB of course domestic football in Scotland is back tonight the the Premier Sports Cup kicks off the group stages a couple of games for us Kelty Hearts against Dundee United at 7.45 as well as Edinburgh City against Hamilton your side obviously mm-hmm. in action as well this weekend Albion Rovers mm-hmm. you've got how much mm-hmm. are you looking forward to just getting back to the competitive stuff yeah I mean absolutely brilliant I mean uh, again when the new season starts everyone starts with uh, you know that enthusiasm that energy everyone's looking forward to it see what the, the trials and tribulations of the new season is going to bring and the cup uh, you know I mean listen it always starts very early we understand that but uh, nevertheless it just gives you 
uh, a little bit of an insight into how the season might unfold. Not not guarantee because you, you you're still tweaking your squad, you're still looking to see what you can improve, but it gives everyone just a chance to have a good look at it in a competitive match. It's just interesting to see the two games tonight. It's only a couple of years ago that Kelty Hearts were a junior team and Edinburgh City were a, a junior team. So it's it's amazing how Scottish football can evolve as well when these two clubs now are, are part of the you know the, the the football structure in Scotland. So again, that gives you know a, a, a real bit of optimism to other clubs who have that ambition that there is a pathway now. And um, you know if they're successful, you know they they can they can um, get themselves into the football league. And despite the fact that it is so early in the season, you hear you hear some talk. It's it's normally managers saying, "Oh, you know, mm. some some people say treat it as as a pr- sort of pre-season, mm. but but no, no, it's a serious cup competition." Mm. I don't think there's actually any manager that that would willingly come out and say, "Yeah, you know, we're just going to treat these as pre-season games because there's a lot at stake, even yeah. even at this point in the season." Yeah, I mean, listen, I think perhaps sometimes uh, you know further further down the levels, you know, they, they they do look at it a little bit because realistically, it's unlikely that they qualify. You, of course, you always get a few surprises and. Uh, oh, you know, and that's what always keeps any cup competition you look forward to the the, the shocks, but uh, I think the, the the bigger clubs, you know, they no, they they use it as as the next stage of their their preparation for the league um, campaign starting in a couple of weeks. There's no doubt about that. And also financially, if they can get out the group stages and into the last sixteen, then again, there's a financial benefit to them as well. Um, you know, there's there's other games, there's, there's a higher profile. So no, there's no there's no doubt that uh, the vast majority of teams, Andrew. Um, see this uh, as part of their season, um, you know the the progress of the season, and, and see see where they can take it, and and yeah, and, and I think that's the way it should be. You should never you should never take any uh, game lightly, and and use it as I said as, as as a nothing game. I think every game has a level of importance, uh, and I think these games tonight will show that. There's quite a lot of clubs can just take that inspiration last season from St. Johnson winning mm. two cups. Nobody would have expected that making it all the way of course it's it's a case of making sure that you're taking these games seriously and you never know what can happen a few yeah. months down yeah, the I line mean, I, I can't remember the, in the league uh, the, sorry the, 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 the group stages last year but uh, I mean maybe St. Johnson didn't start that way when people may have been criticising and all of a sudden before you know it they're, they're in the next uh, round and then, and then they go all the way to the final and won it and two cups was just sensational we spoke about surprises that was a surprise even though it was I mean they're a Premier League club but for St. Johnson to win a cup double was absolutely sensational and uh, and again, it elevated Callum Davison, you know, into a different level of 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 managerial, um, you know, stature. And you know, we've had fans on here even suggesting that he could be, you know, he could have been lined for the Celtic job. And that all came from having an unbelievable season, winning two cups. So yeah, I mean, they can elevate you as a player and as a manager. Very important matches. Well, let's go back to the phones. Martin is a Rangers fan in Falkirk. Martin, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, I've got a couple of points tonight, guys. If that's okay. Yep, on you so, go. Uh, the first one is about um, the new lad John Lundstrom coming from Sheffield United. Um, we're quite heavy in that department as it is. It makes me think that the uh, likely is that Kamara is potentially going to leave, or at least a midfielder is going to uh, leave, and he seems the more likely option to go. Either that or he's seen as a maybe a long-term replacement for uh, Stephen Davis um, coming. The, the, what I've seen him online, I mean, what looking at players online only tells half the story. Even Sadiq looked good online, but when it came to us, it's a different story. But um, I like looking at him from what I've seen, but it does seem like we're going to lose Kamara um, as a result of him coming in. I mean, yeah. do you think that is a, a pointer that they could lose someone in midfield? Steven Gerrard always says that he likes two players, mm-hmm. two sort of quality position. players for every position. Mm-hmm. If you look at that midfield for Rangers at the moment, they're sort of Davis, Jack, Kamara, Aribo, Arfield, Offabor. 
and Lundstrom. So that is seven yeah, players in there. Well. I mean, we don't we don't really know what um, Namdi Offerbar is going to yeah. offer, whether he is going to be part of the the first team fold. But certainly, yeah. it's it's a packed area. Yeah, I mean, as a as a busy area, but uh, you know, Rangers generally play three. You know, the normally normally plays four three three. Um, so therefore he's got three guys in there you know he's got European uh, competition he's got players still you know in international duty uh, anybody gets you know one or two players get injured that doesn't look quite so heavy uh, and, and he wants his standard to remain high Stephen Gerrard himself has said that they need to go up another level this year he wants his team to step up not not just to rest on the laurels so you bring in a top player that keeps the competition, uh, competition high it means that the guys in front can't take a step back can't ease off the gas uh, obviously Ryan Jack had a few injury problems last year and Scott Arfield towards the end of the season had a few so listen I think Lundstrom is a, is a good player he's a different type of player um, than the guys he's, he's got he's a box to box midfielder um, he's powerful he's, he's athletic um, but again Stephen Davis may well have one year maybe may longer but he, he, he can't go on forever Kamara may well move on because there's a lot of interest in him uh, Aribo could attract interest uh, and, and Rangers have, you know, again come out and said, yeah, it's, it's likely they may well have to sell one of their stars. So if that's the case and Lundstrom was ready in, in the building, then I think that's good preparation, good management. What was your other point, Martin? It was about uh, Rangers this season, about a, a little bit of a different dynamic. Um, I know Eaton is a big physical um, striker, um, but I feel that he drifts wide a lot. And I think just to change it up this season, I think we should bring in a nice big physical out-and-out penalty box striker. Um, the amount of times that we get down to the byline with our wing-backs and our, our uh, wide players and the amount of crosses we put in, I just feel that there's something missing in the box and that's someone with a massive aerial presence. A lot of calves balls are very low and to be honest, we end up getting on the end of the ball at the back of the net but I feel that other teams are going to know how we are playing and having that little extra dynamic of having a massive striker just change things up a bit and make us, you know, just take us to the next level again. Just something different. Yeah, I mean, I, I would ask you, Martin, have you got anybody in mind? Because these type of players are, are you know, really, I mean, unbelievably difficult to find. I mean, any top player, regardless of whether he's five feet four or six feet four, it's hard to find. Technically, goal scorers, uh, technical goal scorers can hold the play up, can be a threat, as, as you said, a different dynamic you know when it, when the, when the Barisic and Tavernier's wide and put crosses in, can you get an end of it? And I think was brought in to try and add something to that. But you've got Kemi Roof and obviously Alfredo Morelos. They've signed Fashion Sakala, um, so therefore there are players there. Um, Rangers don't really throw the ball just in the box aimlessly. I think when you see the crosses, they're whipped in crosses for, for Tavernier and Barisic. But if they could get a player like that, yeah, it does give them a different option. But. Uh, where do you find them and uh, you know at the money that uh, Rangers could afford and at the salary they can afford yeah it's healthy in Scottish terms but in you know in British terms or European terms um, you know you're going to have to try and find a diamond an un, you know an uncut diamond a raw somebody that's a bit raw to try and develop them um, they tried that with Sadiq it didn't quite work out he's now went on and there's talk about him going for mega millions but uh Again, it's uh, you know they're, they're very very difficult to get their hands on. Do you think that is an area Rangers will be looking at if they don't lose anyone? Because there's Morelos, Itten, mm. Roof, Sakala's come in who can play in the wide positions, mm. but also through the centre. Jermaine Defoe's mm. got a new one-year deal. No, I don't. I don't think they're desperate for it. I think if all the players stay there, I, I don't. I don't really see the need. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 they've got plenty of options in that area. But um, listen, when top strikers become available and you can afford them. 
then it doesn't matter if you've got two or three, you'll sign another one. Well, thank you to Martin and thank you for all your calls tonight. Thank you to Jim Duffy in the studio as well. Of course, the League Cup kicks off tonight. Kelty Hearts against Dundee United tonight as well as Edinburgh City against Hamilton. Loads of good games this weekend. A few I've got my eye on. East Kilbride, Kilmarnock, Dumbarton, St Mirren. Well, that one's off, isn't it? Dumbarton, yeah, St Mirren, yeah. uh, Partick Thistle, Dunfermline. Looks a good one as Albion well. Albion Rovers, United. Exactly, there thank we go. You. That's the big one. That's the big one. But we'll give you all the reaction to those games on Monday night. So make sure to join me then. I'll be back for that one and make sure to stick around tonight because what a way to start your weekend it's the GBX